Some of you, maybe when you saw I was speaking today, were wondering, does that mean it's going to be shorter or longer? And to that I say, we'll find out, I guess, if it's going to be shorter or longer. But as we're started, uh, the children can be dismissed and they can go to their, to their time together. Um, and as they're making their way out, I guess I just want to reiterate something I've kind of said in the past that, um, that I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be up here speaking this morning. Um, I'm thankful for God's help and God's guidance really over the past couple months, um, just in my, in my own life in a lot of ways. Um, Pastor Jason has been uh, a great leader, not just in our church, but to me in a lot of ways, a, a mentor in a lot of ways as we've, we've talked about these things. And I'm grateful to the elders and just their prayers and even just their ways they were helping um, this morning to, to uh, keep the service going in those ways. And um, some of you know that I had a job I loved, and, and, uh, and I felt like God was using my gifts there and, in a way that I felt like, oh, this is good, this is, I, I'm enjoying this, and things were, things were going well, and it was suddenly gone, and, and that was a real, that was a real loss to me. That, that, that stung hard um, when, when that happened, and, and it was hard to see, it was one of those cases where it was hard to see like, uh, what was going to be next? Where what was going to open up? And 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 God knew. God was was making ways, was preparing me in certain ways, and preparing uh, Pastor Jason and how he approached me in a lot of ways for that to come together. So I'm I'm grateful for those for those things and grateful for uh, God's provision in all those ways. And I think maybe that's why I felt to to talk about what I talked today because we we. We see God's provision a lot as, as we look at um, uh, John 6, John 6 today. So let's pray as we begin before we go into this. Lord, I thank you for this morning we have here um, to be together, to, to worship, and to, to grow and be strengthened together, to um, just uh, strengthen our souls, and, and, and as we saw in the psalm this morning, just be reminded even of the joy of our salvation that we have in you through your, through your son. And so I just pray now as we, as we open your word that, um, that the, the living and active words of that just, um, just pierce us in, in whatever ways they need to and, and strengthen us in all those ways. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite events in Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth. And it's in John 6. That's where we'll be. And John 6 starts with the feeding of the 5,000. And it's not the feeding of the 5,000. Um, although that is, that is great. That is an amazing story. It's a, one, of the, one of the great miracles of, of Jesus' ministry here is that feeding of the 5,000. But the event in John 6 that always struck me and stuck out to me and, and strengthened me, but also convicted me in all those ways, was the next day, the day after the feeding of the 5,000, in, um, when the crowd continued to seek Jesus and where their hearts were in that. And, um, and so we're going to kind of journey. I'm going to start by kind of you know, we, 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 a lot of us know the feeding of 5,000, but we'll kind of walk through that a little bit and kind of set up 
where we come to in this next day um, in John 6 here. So John 6 starts, like I said, with the feeding of the 5,000. And and this, the reason for the feeding of the 5,000 really comes to be because Jesus' fame is continuing to spread. People are hearing about not only that he's this great speaker, but all these signs and, and, and miracles that he's doing. And so people are just coming. They're, they're wanting to hear. They're wanting to see. Um, possibly even just, they're, they're, they're a person with an ailment that wants, to, wants this, this rabbi, this teacher, to heal them, to help them. And, and so we see that these, there just becomes this large crowd, um, thousands of people, and, of course, when you have thousands of people out listening to someone and you have a speaker who's talking for a long time, all of a sudden people get hungry and there's a lot of people out and it's not like, you know, they had a funnel cakes over here and a popcorn over here and stuff. It was like, it was a lunch crisis, right? And we all know that, or most of us probably know that this lunch crisis was solved by one boy willing to give his lunch Jesus blessing it and miraculously feeding this entire, entire crowd of, who knows, we know there were 5,000 men, so who knows, 10,000 people with leftovers to spare that were fed in this. And this miracle really led a lot of the crowd to believe even more that this, there was something about this man, that this, this, this is leading us more to believe that this maybe is that Messiah. This is the guy that the whole Old Testament prophets were, were telling us about because he just keeps doing these miraculous things to this point of feeding this entire crowd with one little boy's lunch. And, and so they're just getting excited. And it comes to a point where if you see in John 6 there, it talks about how they're ready to make him king. They want to make him the king. And they're kind of thinking, of course, more in this they want to make him kind of a, a political sort of, of leader in that way, like more of this literal political warrior king in this way. And so because of that, that's not why Jesus was here, he, the Bible tells us, withdraws. He, he, he leaves. He takes off there. And then we have this account of Jesus walking on the water to the boat the disciples are in. They're already going across the sea. And it's stormy, and they see Jesus walking out on the water to them. And when he gets to the boat that they're at, they miraculously find themselves to be on the other shore. So we have these two amazing accounts here that I'm not doing any justice, that are our whole events in and of themselves that can just be looked at and learned from. And, and I hope you do, but that's, that's not where we want to focus today. This is all just the setup to this next day. So I want to move back to the crowds who are continuing to seek after Jesus. Even though he withdrew, they're still looking for him. They're trying to find him. And, um, and so here we are. So we're going to be in John 6, starting in verse 22. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 891 in the pew Bibles. So John 6, starting in verse 22. And it'll be up on the screen also. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that, this, but that his disciples, 
I already lost my place. That's not good. The boat with his disciples, they had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him in whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread 
will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So it's a long, long passage we read, but you have to have it all. You have to see it all laid out there in this, this next day. So they're in, they're in hot pursuit of Jesus. They're looking for him. And they were putting together where he must have gone, um, just, you know, piecing together that, okay, he probably went back to Capernaum. But they weren't sure how he got there, how that worked, because they knew the disciples had already left. But they went. They went. They, they got into boats themselves, um, along with probably others who ended up being curious about all this too. And they went after Jesus in, in Capernaum. And when they found Jesus, um, you know, like I said, they were seemingly curious probably how he got there after the disciples had already left. But, but Jesus, he knows, he knows their hearts. He knows that they were really wondering, when is it snack time again? Um, this is also a common occurrence in our house that the kids kind of come in all nonchalant like they want something else. But really it's like, so is it, is it snack time yet? Can we have snack? And, and, and Jesus knew that's what was really going on here, that it was really about, when are you going to, you know, make some more food for us to eat? That'd be pretty cool right now, Jesus. And, and, and Jesus sees that here, and he pushes back. He pushes back on them um, in a loving way, but firm, you know, in a, in a, in a truthful way. He attempts to get them to, to see and, and understand there, then that, that there is so much more he provides than just another meal. That, that what he provides isn't just like another, you're, you're good for another day in that way. Um, because, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing with eating is you get hungry again. And, and maybe you can have a big enough meal where it sustains you for a whole day or, or even longer, depending on what you, what you hate or how it makes you feel. But eventually, you're going to get hungry again. That's just the nature of eating food. <laughs> we, we, our body uses it, and we're hungry again. And so Jesus, he's pushing them to see that he can provide something even better than just another lunch or another snack. Um, that, again, only satisfies for a few, a few hours or... Or, as I said, maybe a little, half a day or something. An argument could even be made that they were recognizing, you know, maybe even a number of them were recognizing that he was the Messiah, um, but he wasn't the Messiah they expected. He didn't come in the way that they had hoped, that they had kind of thought in their heads that it would be. And so he wasn't doing things the way that, that they expected it to be. And really the more blunt way to put that is he wasn't really doing things the way they wanted it to be. They wanted him to do things for them in a different way, and he wasn't. So he takes the opportunity here, Jesus, to, to push them to move the focus from this isn't about your physical wants, but it's about faith, that, it, that this comes down to, to faith, to this belief in who he is. They saw the miracles. They experienced the, the wonder of something happening out of the laws of nature. You know, he did these things that were, 
you know, the word we would use is supernatural because they're out of natural law, the things he was doing, miracles. Um, and many of these people may have even had the opportunity or the privilege to see him do other stuff as they were following him around. Um, John, even at the end of John, points out that Jesus did many things that aren't even written in the gospel. Um, because there were, there were just so many amazing things he did that there, there would be just books and books and books of all the things that Jesus did is, is what John really states there. Um, and, but faith is essential for us to come to repentance and to full life. And spiritual blindness, as we call it, was plaguing this crowd to the point where they were acting like Jesus' miracle wasn't even that big of a deal in one sense. That's kind of how they approached him with it um, when compared to, like, the man in the wilderness when they were like, well, you know, when we think back on Moses' day, Jesus, uh, you know, he, an entire nation was fed for, for years. For years in the wilderness, an entire nation was fed every day, millions of people, and, I mean, here, you know, it was thousands of people just one time. You know, they, they were almost like, that was almost what you could say. They were almost like bringing to him, like, in that way. And, and so, when they approach it like that, the pressing back kind of continues. Because, just like us, they were distracted by the now. The now is very distracting to people. And it causes us to miss the big picture. Um, and the big picture of the whole situation. And that begins with the fact that Jesus was standing literally right there in front of them. That, that the Savior was right there in front of them. And they were missing how big that was. Getting lost in this right now feelings that they were having. So Jesus tells them that the bread that God gives is the true bread of heaven, is what he calls it. So, of course, they want that bread. That sounds great. Um, and they were probably excited that Jesus was offering this forever bread. And, um, again, I have a daughter in my house who would love to eat bread forever. <laughs> That's just, bread is the best. She could have her fill. And if she heard about forever bread, she would probably be pretty excited also. But again, they're stuck in this physical idea of what this looks like, of, of, of what this means, of uh, meeting the comforts of now, so to speak, in that way. And so this is where Jesus then, instead of just kind of, kind of pressing and pushing in that way, just fully declares, I am the bread of life. He just says it. He just says it like that. No one who comes to him will hunger or thirst. Their soul will be full. Jesus' declarations here are pretty plain to understand. Um, it's one of the examples in his ministry that there's really no way that you can settle on the fact of calling Jesus just a good teacher. When you think about just in this moment what he was declaring himself to be that he, he states that he came down from heaven, is the Son of God, 
and that eternal life comes through faith in him. There was a, uh, I'm kind of a, I'm a sucker for kind of movies or when things are done in that visual sort of way. And so there was this word-for-word Gospel of John done um, some years back. And, and I remember that the, the actor who played Jesus in that, the way he delivers this line of, I am the bread of life, he kind of, he doesn't like yell it, but he kind of proclaims it. And I had never thought about that way because, you know, when you're, when you're reading um, the word, you know, you kind of just, you're just kind of reading it maybe as you're, 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 you're going through it in your head and you just kind of read it as like, I am the bread of life. And, and Jesus could have said it that way. We don't know. But it's, it's interesting to think that, that the choice that this actor made was to kind of proclaim it a little bit more because even if Jesus didn't proclaim it in that way, that's really him saying it was a huge declaration. That was, no matter how he said it, the declaration of what that meant was huge. It was a huge thing to say. And here's where we come back to this idea that, that faith is the start that leads to repentance in, into new life. Um, it's more than just seeing or hearing Jesus or even seeing Jesus perform a miracle. It's also about believing in him as the Savior and as the Christ. And, and there's two instances in the Bible that remind us, too, Romans 12 and Ephesians 2, that even faith itself, the fact that we have faith, is even a gift from God. And it's interesting to think about that, because I think we forget that even our ability to have faith is something that, that, God, that God gives us. And in that opens our eyes to the fullness of who he is which leads us to how we need to continually ask God to grow our faith. Even as we believe that he is who he says he is, um, to just ask God to continually grow that so that we don't end up falling prey to what we see some of the, some of them in this passage fall into this idea of, of, of grumbling like, isn't, isn't this just the, the son of Joseph? He, doesn't he just live down the road? You know, what, what's, what's the deal with, how can he say these things? You know, even falling prey to getting those type of, those type of things in our head and, and how they come, maybe not in specifically that sort of way, but in that vein of just thinking wrongly about who Jesus was. And sometimes God does do these amazing things in our does these amazing things for us. He opens doors we never thought would open um, or just make a way we never, would have, we never would have seen or we never would have thought of in that way. But God, God brings these opportunities. God opens these doors in these ways. And, and in those moments, we can even express extreme gratitude in what God has provided and how he's provided um, in, in all those ways. And yet a few days can go on, maybe not even a few days, and things can get worse again, and, and, or just change, just be different than we thought from when he did um, 
do, these, do this thing for us, open these ways, bring a provision for us in those ways. And we soon forget about his goodness and about his provision um, as the center point of, of our lives, putting him at the, at the center, at the, at the forefront, as the leader in our lives in that way, that we, we drift into our minds instead of looking to God's provision and Christ's work in that way. And this is really where um, Jesus is leading um, when he's talking about this idea of, of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Um, this gets to be, you know, some people kind of look at that, but it's like, oh, kind of a gross way to put it. But it, it's big what he meant there in that way, in that it's not meant to be this, taken in this literal way, but this eating that he's talking about here, this eating of the bread and eating of, or drinking of the blood, that's eating his belief in this case is what he's talking about here. Just as we eat food to sustain our lives, to, to, keep, us, to keep us moving, um, keep us living, um, we're to put our faith in him and his work for our spiritual life. And so when he's talking about this idea, it's really him talking about this eating is putting that faith and trust in who he is as your, um, as your place for eternal life in that way. It's, and again, so when you, when you unpack that, it really is that realization that without him, and this is, this is what he's saying here, is that without him, you die. He's the true bread and the true drink is what he ends up saying here. Other, other foods and drinks are delicious um, and can be filling. And it could even have been manna in the wilderness as he, as he sees as, they, as brought to him here in this case where they're talking about this manna in the wilderness. It could have even been that. But eventually, even those Israelites who were fed by that manna in the wilderness, they died. That wasn't, that wasn't it. That wasn't, that was sustaining, but that wasn't life, eternal life in this way is what he's getting at. And so something I read this week um, that really helped me to kind of understand the, the, just the depth of this declaration that Jesus has here is, is this. He, um, this person said, believing demands relinquishing all other means of salvation. It means saying, I can't do it on my own. I can't make it on my own. I will die apart from Jesus. I'm helpless and hopeless. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, give me life. And that's where we want to land. That's where I want to land, is, is really having that be the the calling of, of my heart in that way, to, to be like that, that we don't want to end up like the people at the end of this passage. If you continue to read John 6, you see that um, many just fell away. They just, they fell away in unbelief, that it was, all these things were just too much, and they left. And hopefully that we don't go that way, but we, we persevere. Um, we have our faith strengthened in those times that we we look to God in those times we we go back and we think on things like 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 I just read there that we see who Jesus 
really is in our lives, and then that sustains us, and that pushes us to persevere in him, and um, that we find our salvation in him and see that it's nowhere else, that that is the place of salvation. And so today I'm going to ask the worship team and the elders to come up. We're going to prepare for, for communion right now. And, um, and as we prepare for communion, my hope is that when you take the bread and you take the cup, um, that what's, at, what's dominating your thoughts, what you're thinking about in that moment is gratefulness in that. And, and the reality of your salvation only being found in Jesus Christ that in that you see who this man was, uh, more than a man, but the Savior, the one who brings true life. Um, As the Bible puts it, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so I'm going to ask the elders to come up to help in this time as we go into communion here. As we prepare for communion, please note the communion invitation is uh, printed with your bulletin. It's also on the the screen. We invite you to partake in communion this morning, if you can live under that invitation. In a moment, the elders will dismiss you to come forward and take the cups from the tray. Be sure to take both cups as they are stacked together. If you feel uncomfortable with the way we partake in communion, you can pass by the tray or you can remain seated if you wish. Once everyone has the elements, please hold them and we will partake together. Exalted Son of Glory, humbly came down, wounded for the broken, for the sinner's crown. from your hand. 
extravagant love, oh how great the price. Now our lives are yours. The
As Luke says in Luke chapter 2, And he, Jesus, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. Our benediction today comes from Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for coming.